0: You are listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Mary, who runs our awesome Facebook community, about what creationists and evolutionary biologists both know about your migraines. Welcome, Mary. How are you? Good. This sounds like a deep topic. (laughs) Yeah, who would put creationists and evolutionary biologists in the same bucket, huh? uh, Probably a bartender. It sounds like a joke. (laughs) 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 That's a good one.
1: Uh, I got myself into a silly mood, apparently.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I wanted to talk about what creationists and evolutionary biologists have in common when it comes to health and disease. Okay. Okay. So as a naturopathic physician, I'm not a theologian. I'm not an evolutionary biologist. My whole life is dedicated to understanding how to help the sick restore their health. And to do that, I have to be working within reality, okay? We cannot just think our way to health. We cannot, as I'm sure many women with chronic migraines know from firsthand experience, We cannot just will our way to not having migraines anymore. We -hmm. can't just sit there and say, well, you know, if I just do a vision board of myself with no migraines, the migraines will go away. Not that there's anything
1: wrong with all of that good positivity in our lives, but. Correct. Yeah. You just can't make it snap your fingers and everything will be okay again.
0: Exactly. And so there's a reality to the human body the physical human body, and then the mental and emotional and spiritual side of us humans. There's a reality to that. Okay, It's very obvious when we think about the physical reality of the body, right? We have our anatomy. Mm-hmm. We have our biochemistry. Even if we may not understand or know all of the biochemical pathways within the body, they're still there. Before somebody put a name on gravity, things still stuck to the Earth's surface. (laughs) Right. I am working within the reality of the human body, the human system. Okay. So I am interested in anything that is going to help me better understand the reality of us humans in this natural world that is also real. We are, you know, living beings that are part of a whole planetary ecosystem that has its own reality. Trees have their own biochemistry, you know, there's, there's, we're living within a reality. And so I have to understand and work within that reality to help people restore their health. So I'm interested in anything that's going to illuminate reality. Because we are not going to be in a state of health if we are counter to reality. Health ultimately is a state of alignment, an alignment physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the definition of health. We are in alignment. Can you take that one step deeper
1: and explain? Because alignment is kind of a term that comes across a little bit out there wooey. Like, explain to us, like, what do you mean by alignment?
0: There are a lot of skunks that live in my neighborhood, right? And we have a couple that live under our back stoop. (laughs) If you walk at dusk in my neighborhood, you're going to see little skunks. You know, they come out at dusk because they're nocturnal animals. And so around dusk, they come out from under their little stoops and, you know, wherever they, they live. And they roam around the neighborhood and they, I'm pretty sure they eat like grubs and stuff like that, right? So you see them digging in somebody's lawn and whatnot. Mm -hmm. A reality for skunks is that they are nocturnal animals. Okay. If you see a skunk in the middle of the day, that skunk is sick. Right. That skunk has rabies. That skunk has distemper. That skunk has something, something going on, something wrong with it. Because if a skunk is wandering around the neighborhood in the middle of the day, that is a symptom. That is a symptom that they're sick. I've been told something
1: similar about bats. If you see a bat laying around and it's something that you could even pick up and touch, which you should never, ever do, but it looks like something like that, it is a sick bat. Like you just know for sure it's, it's not playing around, if it's like whatever what you're saying is it's out of alignment with what it should be doing, what its natural instincts are. Correct.
0: Now, as far as I'm aware, skunks cannot consciously wake themselves up in the middle of the day and walk around. Now, we humans, we can do that. We can have a third shift job. Mm -hmm. And we can be awake all night and up all day. Mm -hmm. We We can make that decision consciously. However, that is counter to how humans are supposed to relate to the environment. Mm -hmm. We humans are not nocturnal animals. We are supposed to get up around the time that the sun rises. And what we have discovered through the scientific disciplines of things like physiology and biochemistry is that when the sunlight hits our retina, it triggers a whole host of hormonal cascades. It's triggering cortisol cascades, it's decreasing melatonin, right? Those are two hormones that most people have heard of and realize are related to our wakefulness and our sleepiness. Mm-hmm. So we humans, we are like every other living thing on the planet. There is a an environment that we are supposed to be in, right? But we humans are very unique in that we can make a conscious decision to go against what we have been designed for. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences because again, we are living within a real world. And so while we may consciously go against the natural human sleep cycle, we are going to experience symptoms when we do that, because we are not in alignment with the natural human sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. If anybody's worked third shift, right, what symptoms do you experience? Well, you might have digestive upset because, again, our digestive tract, it's not supposed to be working in the middle of the night, and it's supposed to be working during the day. So a lot of people will experience digestive symptoms. They might have heartburn, or they might have low appetite, or you know, I eat something, and I, ooh, it's just kind of sitting in there. Mm-hmm. People might experience changes in their mood. Eh, since I've been working that third shift job, you know, I'm just irritable. Any little thing will set me off. Irritability, that's a symptom on the mental and emotional side. Heartburn is a physical symptom. So when we are not in alignment with the natural sleep cycle, we are going to experience symptoms, even though we can consciously change our sleep cycle. Animals, right? You have that skunk wandering around at 3 p.m. You know, I, I don't think they have the capacity to choose that, but it is happening because they're sick. It's a symptom. Mm-hmm. So when a skunk gets sick, they are no longer in alignment with the natural skunk sleep cycle. So does that help with that word alignment? Tell me if it doesn't. No, I think it does. It, having something tangible to compare it to really helped a lot. Okay, good. So the world that creationists live in and the world that evolutionary biologists live in is the same world that I live in. Mm -hmm. And that is a world that is real and that has life in it that has been designed to function optimally within certain environments. And when we are not, sort of if we are not, Living in a way that is in alignment with the environment, we are going to experience consequences or symptoms. And that is considered to be a just or good outcome. Mm -hmm. So that we know that we are not in alignment with the reality that we should be in. So let's break this down. Okay. Let's start with the creationists. If we go to Genesis, first chapter, we have, right, we have the famous first line, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Each day, something was intentionally created. Mm -hmm. Genesis does not say, well, you know, just God felt like doing something or, you know, stuff happened and God saw it and was like, okay, I guess I'll go along, right? The whole (laughs) story Of Genesis is that God intentionally created the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, the underlying message of the Bible is that God is just. God is not arbitrary, random, right? Justice, justice, a lot of times when people are thinking about justice in the Bible, it's considered to be like, you know, God smiting somebody, right? Like a punishment. Mm -hmm. Justice, I think, in a truer sense is the concept that there are natural laws Mm -hmm. and that we get feedback if we are out of alignment with those natural laws. To me, that's the justice in the world. To me, it would be a very cruel and unjust world if we could get out of alignment from reality and not get any feedback that could motivate us to get back into alignment.
1: I like the concept too of like the laws are there for everyone like gravity. That's just a fact of life, right? It's the same for everyone no matter who you are or where you come from.
0: Right. If we're doing something that is ultimately going to be harmful to us, is it just that we would never get any feedback to let us know that we were hurting ourselves? The justice is in the feedback that we get when we would be doing something that would be hurting ourselves so that we can change there's justice in that it's like with our children it's not a just parent who allows their child to say go into a restaurant and you know throw the food run around make a whole big scene There's no justice in that because you're training your child to be highly annoying and irritating. Mm. And when people are highly annoying and irritating, they have a hard time making friends. They have a hard time holding a job. They have a hard time feeling satisfied. You know, how come nobody responds positively to me? It hurts their self-esteem because it's like every time I interact with somebody, they have a scowl on their face. They're like, why are you doing that? So if we were to just let our children be totally annoying and irritating all the time, eventually as they grow up, they would experience the world as a very negative place because people wouldn't want to be around them.
1: Like the concept of there are laws and consequences,
0: and that's what justice is. That's justice, right? To me, that's just. It's a just parent that gives their child feedback, you know, sweetheart, we don't do this in a restaurant, right? And there's some consequences to that. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't have consequences, look, I don't know about you, Mary, but if I don't have consequences, I'm not going to do anything different. (laughs) Sounds like a good
1: plan, but Are we really going to do that? (laughs) It's
0: like the consequences are what motivates us to be better. positive or negative consequences. Exactly. To me, that's what justice is. It's the feedback that allows us to be better in the world, fulfill our full potential. We're not going to fulfill our potential if when we were three, we were never told, you know, if you irritate people, (laughs) they're not going to want to be around you and your life isn't going to be that great. Right. Going back to Genesis here, we have... God creating the heavens and the earth. And then we have the famous words, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And then we have verse six, then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. Mm -hmm. And then on the third day, right, we have On the third day, let the land sprout with vegetation. Now we finally have life. Then we have the description of the plants flourishing. And God saw that it was good. So every step of creation, God keeps saying, this is good. This is good, right? It's like the feedback he's getting or giving. Exactly. And the intention of God is to create a good and just world, right? That's what I get out of reading this. Uh It's not random. It's not a malevolent experiment. It's a positive, just, and good creation. Mm -hmm. If that is true, then when we get out of alignment, the justice inherent in God's creation is going to let us know The story of the Bible is a story of a lot of people doing a lot of stuff that wasn't in alignment and they got some feedback. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard it put that way, but that definitely applies. (laughs) That's the lens that I have due to my calling in life. What I get a kick out of the Bible is a lot of people, they'll read a passage out of the Bible and they'll say, well, this person in the Bible did this horrific thing. And so that means the Bible is trash because obviously that's a horrible thing and the Bible's endorsing it. And it's like, actually, if you read the Bible, the Bible is not holding these people up (laughs) as saints. (laughs) That's the whole point of the Bible, right? They're humans. They're not supernatural beings. They're not being held up as an example. They're being held up as humans who are making some errors and the just nature of reality is giving them some feedback.
1: I love that. perspective.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. So what does this have to do with evolutionary biologists? We all think of creationists and evolutionary biologists as, you know, fighting each other. If creation is true, then, then evolution is false. If evolution is true, creation is false, right? This ongoing uh, kind of fighting between these two groups. Mm-hmm. But evolutionary biologists believe that life on earth evolved and that the underlying goal of life is to promote more light. Mm -hmm. This is what God told Adam to do. At the deepest level, those two factions believe the same thing. Because under evolutionary biology, you have this evolutionary process that produces the best living specimen for the natural environment that it is in. We think of this as the phrase survival of the fittest, right? And when we think of survival as the fittest, it has this connotation of sort of like, you know, Wall Street, survival of the fittest. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to crush you, right? Like this Survival of the fittest, the champion that's at the top of the mountain. That's the fittest. But that's not really what that phrase means within the context of evolution. I like to think of it as survival of the goodest. The evolutionary process under that theory is allowing the survival of the best suited organism. That environment. Mm -hmm. And what has happened over the billions of years that evolutionary biologists believe that this process has been taking place on the planet is more and more complex and better suited life forms on the planet. Mm -hmm. And if we go back to the Genesis story, what does God create first? Right? First, He creates the geology, right? Life doesn't happen on the first day. It's kind of interesting. So if you were to kind of compare this to what is known in the fields of like geology and evolutionary biology, right? It's like first the earth was formed. It had to cool the, clouds. Wow, you know, it was like billion years before the, you know, that we had water vapor, right? And then life formed. It's actually a very similar process as to what's described in Genesis. Mm-hmm. And the underlying assumption in evolutionary biology, again, is that the natural, real environment, reality, is providing feedback on all of the various organisms, and they are responding to that feedback by becoming better and better, fitter and fitter. hmm And evolutionary biologists have been calling out the fact that we humans have not evolved to flourish in the current environment we are in. Hasn't it changed faster than we're able to evolve kind of thing? Correct. And so evolutionary biologists believe that, you know, If we have evolved, right, we have not evolved to handle something like DDT in our environment. And because of that, our body is going to generate symptoms, right? If somebody has a whole big whiff of DDT, they're going to have a lot of symptoms because this is a man-made chemical that we have not evolved to live with. If we get exposed to that, we're going to have a lot of symptoms. We're going to get that feedback that we are not living in accordance to what we have been evolutionarily designed for. Mm -hmm. So there's a logic to evolutionary biology. There's a logic to the creation story. When we talk about the word of God, inherent in that is the Greek term logos, which is sort of the rationality of the creator. And in evolutionary biology, there's an underlying natural law at play. There's an underlying reality to the universe that all life is evolving in. So what does this have to do with our health? This is my question. I'm like, you can't see the look on my
1: face that I'm really like just deeply thinking about. Well, it's interesting, first of all, like you said, that we always think of creationists and evolutionists as basically enemies. Mm-hmm. But my personal point of view is, who's to say that God didn't use evolution as a tool?
0: That is my personal
1: opinion. So I mean, why do we have to say that we're enemies? Now, I know you can go into like, well, the Bible says the world was created in seven days, blah, 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 blah. And that's a whole other can of worms. But I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like how... It's interesting that I believe like I believe God operates within laws. Like he uses laws as the tools. So I don't necessarily think that evolutionary beliefs are completely contradictory, but there's a lot of things like this stuff is way like the science part of it is definitely way smarter than I am. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Mary, I was just telling you how smart you are and how you are always
1: saying you're not. I think there's a lot of unanswered questions too. Like there's pieces of the puzzle in my mind that make sense and that you can put creation and evolution in the same puzzle, but that doesn't mean that I'm not still missing some pieces. Does that make sense? Absolutely. There's parts of the picture that I still don't know or understand, first of all. And then as far as it applies to our health, we talk a lot about our health being in alignment or not being in alignment. So I think that's a, an important piece to kind of hash out right there. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, because we've been conditioned in our society that you know health looks a certain way and doesn't look a certain way, I don't even know that we really fully have a picture of what health being in alignment is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. does it mean I have washboard abs? Because I probably have never been in alignment a day of my life, if that's the case. Mm -hmm. Any mom that has had babies, you know, that has stretch marks, well, I'm never going to be in alignment again, because I will not have washboard abs, you know? Mm -hmm. So what
0: exactly does that picture look like? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Before we tackle that, let me talk first. There's, there's so many different ways we could tackle this. I think you're bringing up the uh, pertinent point. So first of all, let me just state, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I'm not an evolutionary biologist. I am just sharing how I look at these things. Yeah. Okay. Whether or not you agree with me, we could still work together. You know, you, you do not have to (laughs) have my worldview in order for me to work with you. But you know, to me, this, I, I just find this particularly interesting because when we go into the neurologist, the neurologist does not act like they believe the Genesis story or they believe the evolutionary biologists. Even though the neurologist as a medical doctor is supposed to be quote unquote scientific, mm-hmm. science presupposes that. That there is an underlying rationality to the universe, that there are natural laws to the universe, that we can discover what those natural laws are, and that if we live in accordance with them, things are gonna go better for us than if we don't. That's some of the bedrock assumptions of science. And yet, our neurologist, who is supposed to be with the white coat and everything, just sort of like the paragon. Of scientific thinking does not treat us, does not act towards us like he believes any of that. Because when we go into the neurologist, we are told that we are defective and broken. Mm-hmm. And that migraines, Lord knows why you got them, right? Because somehow migraines were just floating around in the sky and just landed on your back and now you have them. There's no rhyme or reason. Right. Right? Just totally irrational why you have these migraines. Unexplainable. unexplainable. Yeah, who knows? Don't worry your pretty little head over while you have these (laughs) migraines. Yeah. Right? That doesn't fit with a creationist and it doesn't fit with an evolutionary biologist. Mm. Because for either of those two, there is a rational world of cause and effect that we are living in. And that if we step to one side or another on that, we're going to feel it. We're going to know it. Right. Right. So the underlying rationale behind both of these camps, the creationists and the evolutionary biologists, I think they're both correct from this standpoint. If there were not natural laws, if there was not an underlying rationality to the universe that we are a part of, I would not be able to help anyone restore their health and stop getting migraines because everything would just be totally random try this, see if I, you you try this, you try this, right? I wouldn't have consistent results. I wouldn't be able to predict what's going to happen with people, which if you're doing science, the point of science is to understand the universe well enough so that you can make predictions. Right. And so when I'm recommending something to a client, most times I will tell them specifically, okay, I'm recommending that you do this. And what I would expect to see Within a day, within a week, within 10 days, within a month, I would expect to see this response. If what I'm thinking about, what is going on here within your body that's generating these migraines, if what I'm thinking about is correct, and then we intervene in this way, I would expect X, Y, Z to happen in ABC period of time. And I will tell my clients this. Uh Uh-huh. I can only do that if the universe is a rational and predictive place built upon natural laws. Right. Does your neurologist ever talk like that to you?
1: No. I was gonna say I personally don't have a neurologist, but I know my doctors don't talk that way to me. <laughs> like
0: Well, Doc, I tried the Imatrex and I got, you know, real sick and I had heart palpitations and I couldn't think straight for three days. To- okay, well try try this one. Right. It's not even like a curiosity. Oh, I wonder why it did that to this person and not the, other, right. not the other people. I recommended that same drug, same day. Huh? Not even that level of curiosity. Oh, well, okay, try this one. It's like, okay, well, we'll just, you know, try something until it works. Yeah, spaghetti, spaghetti on the wall. <laughs> we haven't talked about that for a while, but yes, yeah, spaghetti on the wall methods. And people will even say, right, because we have an intuitive knowing. Mm-hmm. That if we just knew what was wrong and we could fix it, we wouldn't get migraines anymore. This is the intuitive knowing that I had. And anybody that reaches out to me is still connected to that intuitive knowing because it's true. We humans can connect into some, we can dimly see truth in the universe. And so this is a truth. We feel that way. We could even go in, doctor, why do I have these migraines? Right. Why would you ask that? don't bother me with these types of questions that is considered an irrational question it would only be considered an irrational question if the universe was irrational and random
1: right if you have a belief that things are random they fall out of the sky and you get bumped in the head with migraine like it just is such a hopeless point of view because how can you have control on any outcome if you believe it's just a random like happenstance that you Got migraines. Luck
0: of the draw, drew the wrong card in life versus whether we believe the creation story, whether we're in the evolutionary biology camp, right? Mm. Either camp, we're living in a rational, predictive world that is just and provides us feedback when we have gotten out of the lane that we have been designed for. The evolutionary process is a designing process. Creationists use the term designed. An evolutionary biologist also use the term designed because both processes are a process that designs the organism. In the creationist story, it's a god that is doing the designing. In evolutionary biology, it's the natural law of the universe, right? It's the underlying structure of the universe that's doing the designing. But there's still a design. Right. If there's a design, this is our saving grace migraines. If the world is random and there's no underlying rationality to anything, you are doomed to suffer from migraines and just keep trying medication after medication until you get some relief for whatever amount of time until it stops working and you got to try another whole set of meds. Right.
1: Sorry, it made me giggle because I'm like, you're going to run out of breath there. (laughs)
0: Right. With that
1: circle going.
0: (laughs) If the universe is rational, then we have hope. If the universe is rational, we live in a just universe and your symptoms are part of that justice. They are not a punishment from God. We're not using justice as punishment in this context. Correct. One very, very common, common thing that I hear from people who believe in God, many of them will say, why is God punishing me? God is not punishing you. The brilliance of the design, is that we get feedback when we are crossing the line of what we are designed for. That's the brilliance of it. And in fact, I've talked about this before, this is the ultimate love and care that the universe has for us. What if we, right, we're stepping outside the line, stepping outside the line, stepping outside the line, all of a sudden, we've fallen off the cliff. Now we're dead. It's like we put our hand on a hot stove. If we don't have the sensory feedback to tell us, oh, get your hand off that stove. We keep our hand on that hot stove, we're going to die. All right. Our hand is going to get so burned that it's going to get infected, gangrene, sepsis, we're dead. All because we didn't get the feedback from the nervous system, from our sensory input, that the stove was hot.
1: But we're not trying to say that people bring on their migraines in a way that it's their fault. I don't want to make that confusion where it's like we've done something to bring those on ourselves.
0: Correct. I don't believe that either.
1: Because being in alignment, it's almost like saying, well, if you were just a skunk that would not get up and wander around at three in the afternoon, you'd be fine. We're not saying that either,
0: right? (laughs) Right. We humans are very different than other animals. I'm not a skunk expert, but I don't think a skunk, like when I lived in Arizona, I never saw any skunks. Like there's a certain environment that skunks live in and they don't live in others. We humans can live all over the planet. We can live in the Arctic. We can live in the desert. We can live at the equator. We can eat rice and beans. We can eat deer meat. We can eat any kind of food. We can live anywhere on the planet we have a consciousness not that animals don't have consciousness right but the human consciousness is vastly superior to the animal consciousness uh-huh we have conscious control over things like i say i don't think a skunk can choose to get up at 3 in the afternoon but we can choose this other animals use tools and have a creative aspect but we have so much more of that capacity from the creationist standpoint We are made in the image of God, which I think is a very interesting statement, gives us a little bit of a window into what God is like. From the evolutionary biologist standpoint, we have evolved, we have gotten fitter and fitter, gooder and gooder, and to develop all this extremely complex organism. We have a greater propensity to do things that are not in alignment With where our lane should be as humans, because we have this consciousness and creative capacity and we can live anywhere, we're highly adaptable. So, with all of that freedom, how do we stay within the guidelines, within the guardrails? We have to have feedback. Right. Otherwise, we can go so far out of the lane, we're off the cliff. At the same time, it
1: may not be me as an individual that's gone out of alignment. It might be the chemicals that we're exposed to, like that's not something we can control. It's not a you're at fault for being out of alignment, but we have the ability to find ways to get us back in alignment.
0: Correct. We as humans can make things that are not in our best interest. Staying up on our phone until <laughs> one in the morning, playing farm town. <laughs> no one does that, Leslie. Well, I don't know who would do that. Not in our best (laughs) interests. I've never stayed up way past my bedtime reading a book. Not me. (laughs) So this wonderful thing that we humans are physically and mentally and emotionally, our spiritual capacity, all of these things make us the spectacular beings that we are. But with that freedom, we're kind of in this age now, culturally, where people don't want the guardrails. I just want to say that whatever I think is okay is true and okay and is real and everything else. We have these virtual reality things you can put on. We have all of our avatars on all of our games and so on. That's not real. Yeah. But we're getting even a little bit more and more confused. Is it reality? You go on Facebook, how many friends do you have? You know, they're close friends of yours. And you know, you know, their marriage is kind of on the fritz. One of the kids is about ready to flunk out of high school. You know, it's like family in crisis. Every week on Facebook, oh, we just had a wonderful time, right? Like everything's glorious on Facebook. The reality, you happen to know, not that rosy, kind of living in this time where we desperately, desperately want whatever we think is reality to actually be reality. And it's not. There is an actual reality, and we get that feedback. Right. The world that we live in would not be just if it allowed us to go off way outside the guide rails, never let us know. And then suddenly we're off the cliff in a fiery blaze at the bottom. It's not our fault. Right. It is not our fault, particularly. So, let me give an example on the mental and emotional side. People will believe. False things on the mental and emotional side of them that causes them symptoms, physical symptoms. And why is that? When we believe something that's false, Mm -hmm. we should get feedback that it's false.
1: So, those beliefs, like we've talked about before, come from a childhood, and we are handed those beliefs, and we don't necessarily have the ability to filter out. False beliefs as a child.
0: Correct. Let me give an example. A lot of women with migraines have a perfectionist mm-hmm. tendency. I'm sure you can't imagine anyone like that, Mary. I certainly can't imagine anyone like that, right? No, <laughs> I've never been a perfectionist. <laughs> right? Yeah. Type A? Wh- who's that? So, this is a very common trait amongst women who are prone to migraines. There's a perfectionist streak. Mm hmm. So there can be many many reasons in the mental and emotional aspect of us that are going to drive us to be perfectionists. In fact, I'm watching this show on the Bravo network about ballroom dancers, amateur ballroom dancers, yeah. okay? So I'm watching it and you know how they do sort of the breakout interviews, you know, and they talk to the women. And so one of the women is a admitted perfectionist and she talks about how when she was a kid, her father would tell her, don't come to me unless it's an A. And her mother would nitpick everything that she did. Nothing was good enough. And so she was tearily talking about this and saying, you know, I know that that has made me the perfectionist that I am. And it's gotten me to the point where I am this accomplished ballroom dancer, no small feat. However, I can't let go when I'm dancing because I'm, I'm always in my head. Is this movement, you know, it's like, The perfectionism is in her head. She can't get out of her head and just kind of let the dance flow, right? right? So it's impacting her ability to actually win. So with migraine sufferers, this type of thing can play out where I get a migraine every time I have to do a presentation at work. I can't sleep for a week ahead of time because I'm just rolling over in my mind at three in the morning every night. What if they ask me this question? Okay, I better be prepared for this. What if they push back on this? It's like, I have to be so prepared for this presentation that I can't sleep for a week. I'm on edge. And then after I get through it, I just totally crash and I get a migraine. Yeah. I cannot relate to that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm not a ballroom dancer, but I'm working in corporate America and this was the family dynamic. What kind of false belief do I have? I'm not lovable. Unless I have every possible answer at my fingertips? Well, that's a hell of a false belief. Right.
1: It's also exhausting for anyone who can actually really relate. My perfectionism stems from more of I had undiagnosed ADHD growing up. I feel like I had overcompensated and I had to work 10 times harder to become equally Good at something, so that led me to feeling like I had to be a hundred and ten percent perfect all the time. Is so not my reality. I want it to be. I want my house to be perfect, my kids to be perfect. Not that my kids really have to be perfect, but things to be perfect for them. The reality is, I'm sitting in my office right now, staring at all of the piles of things I need to put away. I guess that you're never letting down that need to be perfect, which. Doesn't allow for mistakes. It doesn't allow to be human. It doesn't allow to be fully present because you're up in your head thinking about
0: what you need to be doing. The fact is that we are lovable, even if we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Which sounds very obvious, and everybody says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Remember in Goodwill Hunting, Matt Damon, right? He's this math genius, but you know he was horribly abused as a child. His stepfather was putting cigarettes out on his arm. I mean, just horrific stuff. And so. He was living a life where he was continuously self-sabotaging himself and not living up to his potential and so on. And then they discovered that he was a math genius and they get him into, you know, a shrink to try to get him straightened out. It was Robin Williams, right? And kind of the cathartic scene that kind of got stereotyped at the end is Robin Williams comes up to him, you know, after they had done all this work and he looks at Matt Damon's character and says, you know, it's not your fault. And he goes, yeah, 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 I know. I know it's not my fault that I was abused. No, I mean it. It's not your fault. Yeah, 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 I know. No, it's not your fault. And then, you know, Matt Damon like totally breaks down, right? And he's crying, they're hugging, right? Because at a conscious level, he knew it wasn't his fault. But really deep, deep down in the unconscious, he was harboring this false belief that it was his fault, that I was a bad kid, a bad seed. My parents, who are supposed to love me, horrifically abuse me i must be a bad kid right that's what's going to happen in somebody's unconscious right right and so on a con- oh yeah yeah i know i, I know I, i'm i'm lovable uh even if i'm not perfect well do we really know that right if we're holding that false belief in the unconscious thank god there's some feedback that we can receive so that we can resolve that false belief and for those of us that are prone to migraines the migraine is that gift to tell us, it's that little tap on the back, sweetheart, you don't have to be perfect at work with that presentation. All right. Now, we may not like the feedback. We may wish it were more obvious to us. We may wish it was, rather than a debilitating migraine all weekend, we might wish it was just something like our big toe hurt.
1: <laughs> that would be nice, yeah. But I don't make the rules. Do you think women who are your clients, do they tend to have feedback stemming from emotional stuff or physical stuff
0: more frequently? The vast, vast majority of my clients are going to have feedback coming from the physical body. Something is out of alignment in the physical body. Uh And that is what I refer to as the first two principles. There are three things that we have to do to restore and maintain our health and stop getting migraines. I call these the three principles. The first principle is we have to get the nutrients that our cells need to every cell in the body. And then the second principle is we have to clear the metabolic waste material that our cells make. You have to get them out of the cells and out of the body. We're not going to feel good if we don't have the nutrients we need to function properly and and we're swimming in trash. We're not going to feel good. So those first two principles indicate things that are out of alignment in the physical body. If you boil all the biochemistry down and all the physiology down, you get to those two principles, right? The things on the mental and emotional side that are out of alignment drain our resiliency and vitality. And that is the third principle. The third thing that's required to restore our health is we have to restore our resiliency and vitality. There is a physical component to our vitality. There's a cellular voltage okay, that corresponds to this. So that would be a physical aspect of our vitality. The majority of our vitality and resiliency is coming from our mental and emotional alignment. If we have false beliefs on the mental and emotional side, if something's out of alignment there, that is going to drain our vitality and it's going to make us susceptible to what we call triggers, right? All of these little stressors the light, the sunlight, the heat, the weather changes, the wind blowing, stress at work, stress with our spouse all of these little stressors or triggers we have to have enough resiliency and vitality to weather them. If our resiliency and vitality has been drained, we are going to become more and more susceptible to these things.
1: That actually makes a lot of sense to me. I think we like to believe that our mental and emotional and our physical bodies are two separate things. For me, I've noticed when I feel mentally and emotionally drained, my body follows right behind it. Mm -hmm. Or vice versa too. Like if you start feeling icky, physically, oh, I've been sick for two weeks or like chronic pain, eventually your emotional side and your mental side starts to go into like a depression or anxiety or whatever. So you can't pick up one side of the stick without picking
0: up the other, I don't think. Correct. I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. It's more straightforward working with the physical body. It's less straightforward working with our mental and emotional side because it's unconscious to us. And many times, like in the case of this Goodwill hunting story and the Matt Damon character, he has countered this feeling that he's a bad seed. And also when children are physically abused, usually they're going to feel humiliated and they're going to feel weak and vulnerable, right? And so the Matt Damon character, he doesn't want to feel weak and vulnerable. He wants to feel strong and tough the story takes place in Boston, kind of a rough area of Boston, right? And so he's kind of fitting in with these other young guys and they're all rough and tough and this and that. We protect this pain on the unconscious side by kind of generating a counter image. So the Matt Damon character, when Robin Williams keeps coming in and saying, you know, it's not your fault. Yeah, 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 I know, right? Because he's the tough guy, right? Nothing bothers me. So we even have these coping mechanisms that block us from even getting down into the unconscious. Kind of going back to your question, most of my clients have some things going on on both the physical and the mental and emotional side. It's maybe 10% of my clients don't have anything going on on the mental and emotional side. It's all within the physical body. We get those things back in alignment. They're on their way. And then I will have about 10% of my clients where all of the, migraines are coming from something on the mental and emotional side. It's not coming from something in the physical body. Interesting. And these are the people in particular that have done everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. They've done every drug. They've gone to every natural practitioner out there. They've taken every supplement. They've done every acupuncture point. They've done every chiropractic, right? Because all of those things are working on the physical side. They're not working on the mental and emotional side.
1: That makes sense too, because they have they've addressed everything they can physically, but right haven't touched the mental emotional. Haven't touched it
0: because again, we have this bias, like you said, in our society. If I'm feeling physical pain, it's because I got my spine out of alignment or the wrong pillow or you know something like that. It's something physical, and then eighty percent of my clients, it's a mishmash. You know, some people it'll be thirty percent physical, seventy percent mental and emotional. physical, 30% mental, emotional, it'll just be a mishmash. But I will have clients on either end of the scale.
1: But at the end of the day, I guess circling back to what we were talking about at the beginning is like, that is feedback coming from natural laws that something is
0: right. The intelligent, rational piece of the universe that wants human flourishing. In the Bible, it's very obvious that God wants human flourishing, but in evolutionary biology, the assumption is that life is going to flourish and so how is it going to do that if we don't have feedback right that we are going out of the guardrails for flourishing and i think for us humans having true beliefs again what is alignment alignment is being in truth and we all are doing this we are all carrying around false beliefs that are unconscious to us and the universe does not want things to be out of truth, out of alignment. Uh Not if it's rational, not if it's good.
1: I love the thought that both evolutionary and creation beliefs ultimately want what is good. Ultimately, that's the goal. What is good and flourishing? Yes. I did not wrap my brain around that until just this second. (laughs) The ultimate goal is for both to be good.
0: That's kind of cool. Yeah, and that's all I care about. Mm-hmm. And this is why I can pull from texts like the Bible. I can pull from biochemical texts. I can pull from all of this because all of it assumes that there is a reality to the universe is a rational reality that wants life to flourish. I love that.
1: And on top of that, we want life to flourish on individual levels.
0: Right. Very interesting. Well, what do you think, Mary? I hope it came across. It kind of stretched me to my <laughs> ability to uh, talk and think.
1: Yeah, that was steep. And I do think that we have a lot to think about. <laughs> Again, I'm being so articulate. It really does give you a lot to chew on and to think about. And my ultimate takeaway from this is that our bodies are designed To whether you believe by a God or by evolution, our bodies are designed to be in a good state of health, to feel
0: good and to be good. If there is a God who wants his creation to flourish and be successful, that loves us, then we have to get feedback. Mm -hmm. If the process of evolution has generated more and more complex organisms, and the purpose of evolution is for life to flourish. How is life going to flourish if it can't heal itself? Life is not going to flourish unless it has an innate self-healing mechanism that was either created within it or evolutionarily evolved. An individual cell has a healing ability. If it didn't, and you believe in evolution, we never would have made it out of the sea. (laughs) (laughs) What I would suggest to people is... Which version of reality do you want? The one with redemption or the one of random? Well, just, you know, we don't know why you have migraines. So just go try this until something sticks. Or do you want a version where there's a redemptive healing process built into you? You can only decipher and act on the feedback you're getting. You will feel better. Which world do you want to live in? Right. And then choose the practitioner that's living in that world. That would be my advice to you i love that very good well we'll see you all next time thanks so much mary appreciate you yeah we'll talk to you soon and thank you for listening before you go be sure to like this episode subscribe to this podcast share with someone in your life who you think would benefit from this information and if you want to stay connected with us you can join my free Facebook group, Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND, where over 10,000 women are rediscovering a migraine free life. You can go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND in the Facebook search bar or to healingmigrainesnaturally.com and we'll redirect you to the group.